You're listening to Sprott Money's Monthly Wrap-Up with Craig Hemke. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It is late December 2023, a very interesting year in the precious metals and the markets in general. And here with us to wrap it up is our old friend, Eric Sprott. His name's on the company, so I figure if he wants to talk, we're going to have him talk. Uh, Eric, nice to see you, my friend. Hey, Craig. Always wonderful to be with you. And again, let me compliment you on the work that you do that helps promote the things that we're all interested in. You've done a great job. Well, I appreciate that. I, You know, I, I write something every week at Sprott Money, so people can always go there. Um, are you a member of my site? Or I guess as a retiree on a fixed income, you got to watch your... Trust me, I see everything you write. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, it's I know that fifteen dollars a month might kind of means you got to cut out one trip to the Golden Corral. Um, all right. Well, anyway, and hey, by the way, in case you didn't notice, I am wearing my Christmas sweater for you, Good Eric. For you. Yeah, look at even you, even have my name on it. Look at that. Hey. Yeah. So I wow. noticed you're you're not wearing a, a sweater today. Dad, uh, you are presently in the uh, Turks and Caicos. I don't think I have a sweater down here, to be honest. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> You'd look awful funny walking around in one. I would, particularly that one. <laughs> yeah, we're right. Well, all right. Well, we might as well get started. Again, just a reminder, um, all this content, I mean, this would be the last thing I would imagine I'll record this year here at Sprott Money, but all of the monthly precious metals projections that we do early in the month with Chris Vermeulen, the Ask the Expert segments that are usually in the middle of the month, these late month uh, monthly wrap-ups, or in this case, yearly wrap-up, all of that is brought to you free of charge. Okay, it's not free to produce, that's for sure, but they put it out there for you free of charge for your entertainment, education, information. So give Sprott Money a thank you. Either go there, SprottMoney.com, buy yourself some sound money, no doubt about it, store it there as well. You can go to the site, you can actually just give up, pick up the phone and talk to a human being at 888-861-0775 or give them a like or a subscribe on whatever channel you're watching this, that helps them out too. So give them something as a thank you. It's the holiday season, right? We're supposed to be spreading good cheer. Um, all right, my friend. Well, um, in, in terms of spreading good cheer, where should we start? Um, I Maybe you should start about, and we'll talk about how depressed I am about everything. Right. It's Let's start with the big picture. Um, <laughs> we had another year of just societally, politically, it seems like it just doesn't get any better. I'm sure you've got some thoughts on it. Well, you know, as I reflected on uh, what has transpired, the one thing that crosses my mind the most these days is the the level of lying that happens. And, uh, of course, I, I'm brought to that uh, when I see and, and kind of follow closely what's happening to vaccines and uh, how they were pr uh, propagandized as being safe and effective neither true uh the information on the negative impacts impacts of these vaccines is never displayed the excess deaths that died suddenly things that there's never any reason that the person who died suddenly died suddenly and i think we all kind of have a very uh serious feeling of exactly what happened uh i was uh, read something recently where a particular doctor said that you know, if you want to live a healthy life, stay away from the hospital right. and stay away from the medical community. 
And he went on to say how the most prescribed drug in the U.S. are these statins. Yeah. And how they've now proved to, to cause uh, dementia, cause problems with your, your arteries and things like that that they're supposed to solve. And I, I was never aware of that. And I actually had been using statins. I stopped using yeah. it about three weeks ago. Sure. Uh, just thinking that, you know, that this one in a million guy is probably got the right answer. Okay. Right. And, and of course, no, very few people will speak out on these things, but I really appreciate people speaking out on these things because normally they have to have the soundest of reasons to do it because they know they're going to get laughed at and ostracized and gaslighted uh, on that same vein. Um, there's a doctor, I think it's Mike Yeadon, Yeardon, um, who basically said, look, and he was 30 years at Pfizer, uh, the, the guy in charge of getting drugs approved. And he said, when I see that four drug companies all approved the drug with the same spike vaccine in it, which they all should have known didn't work, I now come to the conclusion this was orchestrated for depopulation. It's a place I haven't gone personally, the yeah. depopulation story. Um but the more I read, for example, just, uh, John Kennedy Jr., uh, he has a wonderful book out with the real Anthony Fauci. And he just describes how, you know, this setting up of the pandemic started like 20 years ago. And and they even had a test case, a specific test case about a month before it happened. It happened exactly like the test case. You know, it's just it was so orchestrated. So. It bothers me. And of course, when I look at. Uh, other economic data. Do I believe the inflation data? No, I don't believe the inflation data. <clears throat> when I see shadow stats reporting that inflation is still 11% across the board, when you look at, you know, try uh, paying your insurance bill this year, your health insurance bill this year, your electrical bill this year, your internet bill, anything. I mean, it's, there's no way it's 2%. Right. And of course, the fact was that we probably had, you know, three tens in a row. Uh, where our salaries never went up for those years, last last three years. Now the salaries are finally going up a little bit. We didn't make up for the 30% we fell behind in the last three years. So it, people are struggling. I think they said that the uh, number of people living paycheck to paycheck, something, something like 64% in the United States, which I fully believe. And yes, you get these data that come out that say things are good. Uh, luckily, there's also some reality checks. Like today, we had FedEx come out and say the revenues were down 3% year over year. You know, when the revenues are down 3%, I'm going to guess that the shipments were down a lot more than 3 because their prices were probably up. So I, I and I don't, I don't know the data. It just came out uh, an hour or so ago. But, and I, I use FedEx as a representative company for the economy. And so I don't believe the economy is strong. I, I, I think, you know, if oil uh, continues to rise here, it's already gone up 10. Gasoline's gone up 10% in about the last two weeks. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's happened at the pump, but it's happened on the COMEX. Well, you can imagine if we start getting energy going back up again, what's right. going to happen to the world consumer who's benefited a lot by right. prices? Right. Anyway, I, I just, I get so upset with uh, that we've been lied to. And of course, the one of the more recent lies this gentleman, Mr. Webb, uh, who's written about how uh, when you think you have a secure asset at a bank, you don't. 
There is no such thing that you have at a bank that's now secure. Most people don't realize that probably, but they've changed the rules around such that you got assets at the bank. You think, you know, I can go cash in my certificate of deposit and get the money out. If there's a bankruptcy, you can't. Right. It just gets thrown in with everything else. And that is depressing because, you know, people work hard to save. And, and meanwhile, the bankers are just playing the casino game all the time. And when they go down, which they essentially did in 00, which they essentially did in 07, 08, they get bailed out. Yep. And the, the public has to pay for it one way or the other, whether it's through higher inflation or, you know, they seized your house because you couldn't make the payment. Now you've got to start all over again. Uh, and, and, of course, no bankers ever go to jail. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Yeah. <clears throat> um, fines, but that's the cost of doing business. And maybe while I'm on the cost of doing business, when I one of the other things that, of course, is occupying me these days is this naked shorting that obviously goes on. Yes, thank you for bringing that, that up. And you know, we've had J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Citadel. Uh, I'm probably forgetting one or two companies, maybe Wells Fargo. I'm not sure who it is, but uh, who got fined for mismarking. Hundreds of millions of trades, hundreds of millions over five and 10 years. And the guy pays a fine of $5 million or $6 million. Are you kidding me? Like so think of a hundred millions of trades, a trades, a hundred million, a hundred shares. Oh my God. We're talking about billions of shares. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That have been traded and the guy pays a $5 million or $6 million fine. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah. and, that, and that unfortunately deeply affects the exploration companies because yes. you have nothing to fall back on right you can report good news but if your stock just gets pounded everyone starts uh, doubting the news and it's easy to sow doubt what particular when the stock price is going down so that's a big problem it's something i'm trying to spend more time on and right the wrong i think the regulators have acted very uh, callously here knowing full well what's going on but then again when i look at the history of of the bureaucrats and what they do effectively they do nothing other than dip their fingers in the well so what yeah. are you going to do it's all part of the prevailing corruption really at every level and again yeah no other than that craig everything's perfect everything's great hey um <laughs> and I, I should warn everybody <clears throat> i'm fighting um a little bit of a, a bit of the crud so if you see me if i have to like duck out of the way and I bring this up or take a sip of water. I, I apologize in advance for any coughs to get through. But anyway, Eric, back to uh, the lying liars, because that has had a direct impact on how the precious metals have done this year, because the Fed and their Fed governors have played this rhetorical game all year long. You know, higher for longer, higher for longer. And everybody knows that they're full of it. And so the market starts pricing in interest rate cuts for next year. And then all you get is like one data point that's one tick higher than what was expected. And, you know, everything, your rate hike odds go down and gold goes down. And even just recently this week, go back to, it was just a week ago, the December FOMC and Powell comes out and says, oh yeah, we're adding a rate cut for 2020. They're admitting that rate cuts are coming. And then, but the market goes crazy. So they roll Williams out from New York 20 and not even 48 hours later to completely contradict him. Yeah. Um, but that has made for a challenging year. Uh, the lying liars. What, um, um, had, how would you summarize the year that we've had in the metals? 
Well, well, the one thing I would say, and and I mentioned it to you in our chat ahead of this, you know, we are in the case of gold, we did hit new highs across yes. the board, right? mm -hmm. which to be commended. So that's great. It was unfortunate that on that Sunday night when it all happened, it blew up the next the next twelve hours, which is of course the old rinse repeat thing, right? But gold's hanging in there. It's within a hair of a closing high here. Closing high, you know, that high that we had at 2150 or whatever was not a closing high because it got bombed that day. But uh, that's done well. I think the biggest disappointment is silver, that it would still be languishing around $24, uh, knowing everything that we see in silver, including, you know, the Silver Institute coming out and saying that there was a deficit of whatever the number was, 243 million ounces in a billion ounce market. Like how... How do you justify that, for God's sake? Right. Uh, there's been some commentary by a group called the Silver Academy that says, you know, when the Silver Institute comes out with their 2023 uh, results in April of next year, the next day they'll print their report as what the real numbers are with silver. And I suspect that onto something okay. that there's way more consumption. When you look around at solar and uh, electric vehicles. I mean, how can there not be significantly more consumption? Particularly when you realize, and I think that's a truism now, they use twice as much silver in, in an ordinary panel now because they found out if you load it with more silver, you get that much more energy. And silver is not, it's not that big a cost in a solar panel. When you think of how much it takes to make it, bring it over, install it, oh my God, that silver cost is like probably not even 5% of it. So if you put the twice the silver in and, and, and you get, uh, you know, 50% more silver, uh, sorry, elect electrical production, it's well worth it. And that's what's happening. And there's numbers suggesting that we might be using 200 million ounces in solar now. And, you know, five years ago, or sorry, 10 years ago, we were using zero. Uh, that's, that's 200 million. That's a 20% stake of the silver market that hasn't grown in that decade. In terms of production, somehow that guy can just come in and buy it. What about the electric vehicles that didn't even exist before? All those uses that uh, are quite significant. And yet somehow, you know, we, we say that supply and demand right. somehow are staying in balance. Okay. Somehow. Right. right. God knows. Well, of course, as you and I both might imagine, it, it's staying in balance on the paper COMEX market. Because there's a, a guy with deep pockets can sell all the paper or silver he wants and keep it under control. But I suspect that that's going to break here. And I've sort of worked on the thesis uh, that uh, Michael Oliver has, a great uh, uh, market analyst who writes the uh, uh, Momentum Structural Analysis. And, of course, his suggestion is that you know, when gold goes into a bull market, it typically goes up by six to nine times, something like that. And we started this one in January 15 at 1050 So it probably goes to $8,000. It goes to $8,000. And you use the normal ratio of silver to gold. Well, silver is going to go to 200 bucks. okay? Yeah. And I, I believe that. I believe that's what can happen here. And, of course, you know, it's not that it has to go to 200 to be a winner. It can go to 50 and you're a huge winner. But I think it's that change going there. And I think the risk here is de minimis when you see the data. So I'm a, a huge believer in in silver. I'm a, I am own a lot of silver. I own silver options. Uh, 
I think we're going to see some fireworks here. Well, we nearly saw fireworks uh, two Sundays ago. Then it got, you know, tamped down. One of the favorite words, right? Going to tamp it down. I can't believe that the Comex, head of the Comex, said, well, we tamped down the gold price. Right. Are you right. kidding <clears throat> you? What? That was the head that of the CFTC. It was the silver price increase, wasn't it? Yeah, when yeah. it got to 30 bucks there. Yeah. yeah. We tamped it down. Yeah, yeah. well, what are you there for? You're there to tamp it down, aren't you? Well, yes, he thinks his job is. Let's talk about price because you're right. All the physical fundamentals argue for a higher price, particularly of silver. But yet, yeah. you know, it's not so much the physical supply and demand as it is the derivative supply and demand. I've written about it, you know, on these Sprott Money articles probably three or four times this year. Whenever... This year, at least, price has gotten between 25 and 26. There's been a huge rush of new shorting from the banks. And you look at the commitment of traders report, it spikes. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, you get this washout, and then they cover all those shorts back up. Yeah. So the, my, my question for you, though, because I've been in interviews that I've been doing, um, I've been trying to you know counsel a little bit about maybe silver will be better next year, because I think gold's going to break out, and we can talk about that next. But if gold goes to... 2300 you mentioned the gold silver ratio is the gold silver ratio going to go to 100 i mean almost oh. by osmosis it silver has to go up doesn't it would it? be it's ridiculous that they're produced it what in a ratio of 12 to 1 or something something like that well, yeah uh, what's what this 80 to 1 price thing yeah it's so ridiculous i it's and of course one of the theses being advanced particularly by the silver academy is that because there's so much silver used in the military arena that and they stopped publishing their silver consumption data in something like 1996. Um, that there is a mandate to keep the price of silver down because it's used a lot in missiles and right. rock, right? And, mm -hmm. You know, all sorts of uh, submarines and airplanes and things like that. So, and I think that that's probably true. That it, you know, there's a real undersupply of silver here that's being covered up. You know, Ted Butler's covered this in terms of the COMEX and how oversold it is and how when it breaks, it'll break big. And I yeah. just, he's the guy who studies the COMEX much more than I do, but I think he's for sure onto something there. Well, let me ask you this. Here's another little pet theory I've been working on for the last couple of months. Um, I hear gold is, I mean, we got a couple of trading days left to go, but gold's up about 11% year to date. Uh, anybody can cherry pick dates, but if you go back to the beginning of this century, 23 years now, gold has averaged about a little over 9% in dollar terms annualized. So we're right. We've had an average year. What has perplexed yeah. some of the generalists and the technicians and the like is the disconnect between gold and real interest rates. You know, it was always real interest rates that kind of were the, yeah. you know, not just inflation, but it's real interest rates that gold are most closely correlated to. And they go like this, like this. And then all of a sudden they go like this. Yeah. I have thought that the reason this has happened is because central bank physical demand and other physical demand for gold precludes the banks allowing the price to go down to like 1200 because there wouldn't be any physical left at all at that right. point. What do you make of yeah. that? Well, there's no doubt that uh, the banks control the price of gold. Yeah. The funny thing is that when you see the gold price go down, you know, 1% in a minute, which we've seen many, 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 too many times, okay? Yeah. First of all, what guy selling would want to do that and try to make maximize his profit, okay? Nobody would do that. You wouldn't knock it down that much in a minute. So we know that it's 
It's purposeful. And it's because they have this ongoing short position in both gold and silver. And they know they have to protect it. And maybe they've got, they've got the cover of the central banks for that matter, because even the central banks don't want to have gold uh, racing up dramatically. Imagine right. if gold do what Bitcoin had done. Right. Oh, my God. Where would the currency be? And <clears throat> I mean, we have a very weak U.S. dollar here that looks like it's breaking down. And some of the people that I listen to believe that it will break down and is likely likely to go to 70 cents on the on the dollar if you are 70 cents in the dx yes. well that in itself would cause gold to go to three thousand dollars so um and and you know yeah it's funny one of the things i do look at is the the u.s debt clock you know that ticks over uh a million every 40 seconds yeah yeah a million dollars every 40 seconds or is it yeah and um I mean, it's just it's exploding and there's no there seems to be no care as to how much money spent on anything. So we're going to it may very well be that we again will have uh, auctions that fail. And God forbid we have an auction that fail and notwithstanding what the dot plots show, the auctions show that people want higher interest rates. Yeah, I think that's likely to manifest itself. But we can't afford it. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the paradox of the whole thing. I mean, we've already exceeded now this year a trillion dollars a year here in the U.S. just to service the existing debt. Yeah. You know, so with that math the way it is, where do you stand on this higher for longer stuff that the Fed has been peddling all year long? Do they eventually, is it, well, all, just, is it all just rhetoric? Well, of course, going back to the last Fed meeting, that higher for longer stuff sort of disappeared, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was always a threat. I think that, uh, you know, in, in their heart, they'd probably like to, to get rates down because we are heading for a pretty uh, tough economic situation here. The election like, too. And they know it. And and these rates being as high as they are, they're just killing people who have to refinance a mortgage. And that's why nobody will sell their house, right? They'll get these nice low mortgage right. rates. Nobody wants to sell. <laughs> can't afford to sell, which is a funny sort of thing. I can't afford to sell. Well, I can afford to sell if I don't want to have to live somewhere. Right. That's <laughs> that a slight problem that you might have. Yeah, right. Anyway, it's, uh, I think it's going you know, it to continue to weaken here. And, and we, we have to be aware of uh, the likelihood of failed auctions here. And then we saw that when uh, Yellen sort of changed the terms of the auctions and, you know, changed the amount we're going to do long to short and this and that. They, they knew there was a problem staring right at them because who wants to buy the bonds anymore? Right. Well, well it's hard uh, more than a few fingers of people who really want to buy bonds. Let me ask you this one, because I'm the host. I get to ask my favorite questions. Um, I, you know, I write, I've been, I wrote again this week, it's brought money, how I write this annual forecast every January. And I do it because the trolls love to pick at it. But also it holds me accountable, allows me to go back, you know, and go, okay, what did I get wrong? What did I get right? And what was I actually thinking back at the first of the year? And I thought, I, I feel like I'm six months ahead. I thought the Fed would run out of liquidity. They'd start cutting in the back half of the year and gold would break out and go to 2300. And now it's like we're six months behind. That said, I, I'm wondering if, the key thing that I missed is this reverse repo excess reserve account, mm -hmm. you know, 
because it yeah. got to 2.2 or 2.3 trillion dollars sitting there in that overnight excess reserve account and it's down like to 700 billion now do you think the fed has been able to play these rhetorical games because they knew they had that little slush fund of quarantine covid dollars sitting there well, I look at it and I use the same kind of analogy, but I actually think rather than the central banks having to do that, I think what they knew was that the the consumers had saved two point one trillion oh. during the pandemic. OK, yeah, yeah. Uh, because of all the handouts and then all the, right. you know, reducing their expenses. So all of a sudden their balances blew up and that two point one trillion effectively uh, disappeared. I believe in October of this last year, of this year, okay? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, now the guy's really getting, because they were spending $100 billion a month out of those savings. That's a lot of money when it comes to the U.S. GDP. So that's ended. Yeah, the student loan repayments started again in October. So all of a sudden, the, the negative impact of vanishing uh, savings has hit home here. And I think we see various data uh, personal data that suggests that the spending habits of the consumer have changed dramatically already. I mean, they we used to have double-digit retail sales. Now we're we're lucky if we get a, a positive. And uh, you know, we right. get lots of information from stores that things aren't going as well as they would like. So, I think that the, it was the savings that the consumers right. had that got us through the thing. Didn't matter what the Fed Reserve policy was; they still had money to burn. And they burned it. And of course, the credit cards have exploded. The demand for loans has exploded. Not that the banks are giving any loans anymore, but they would take them if they could get them. You know, for certain, that's going into 2024 macrocast. I can tell you that. As oh, Eric Sprott yeah. told me with Embedded Link, uh, back to this. Um, and, 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 I, and I that is definitely a big part of the thing too. Now, so as that's all dried up, the reverse repo is drying up. We now are entering this year where, uh, what's it, a 50-50 chance, the market says, of the first rate cut in March. Even the Fed goons, they don't know. They got one that says no rate cuts. They got one that says six. They don't know what the heck they're doing. What do you think is going to happen? And where do you think, I mean, we're going to have another 11% year in gold and 2% year in silver next year. What do you think? I hope not. <laughs> Me too. Good night, everybody. <laughs> no, <laughs> we got to be looking for more than that. You, you never want to be in this space, Craig. You got 11% or two, okay? Yeah. It's too much of choppiness to even think about something as anemic as that. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think we'll have a, uh, I think we'll have a great year. I believe uh, that goals has, has already shown how explosive it can be Sunday, two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's dramatic. We were up. God, were we up like a hundred bucks at one time? Yeah, yeah, only we, about sixty. Yeah. yeah, like it matters. Sixty dollars, you know, that was just incredible. Sorry, yeah, God, yeah, we we're up sixty. No, it was we were down a hundred. Yeah, then reversed. Yeah, uh, but I think we'll see that again. Uh, everybody in the world should want to own gold. We have these countries that are all going bankrupt, and uh, Argentina devalues their currency fifty percent. I mean, to to think that if you would have owned a precious metal in lieu of the Argentinian peso, right, you would have sucked nothing, right, nothing. Come on, world, wake up here, okay? And what if the kind of U.S. dollar weakens here? I mean, you gotta have gold. Um, if if for example, there's another banking crisis and, and all your secured assets become unsecured. You've got to have something right. to turn. 
that's right. in your profession. Right. You can't trust in the financial system here. We all know that it's uh, has degrees of corruption. One of the things when I think about these credit cards, you know, the interest rate in the credit cards has exploded this year, right? If you know, if you're overdue. And first of all, I think the fact that governments allow credit card companies to charge over 20% on a card, there's something wrong with all these people. Sinister. Yeah. There's something wrong with all you people. And now it goes to 30. And the minute it goes to 30, that guy's not going to make it. Okay. You can't pay 30% interest and think you're going to survive. It's just a big hole that gets bigger and bigger and bigger till they come in and repossess everything that you right. declare. Yep. Yep. And what is wrong with our world that people could think this is normal? It's but not that's normal. okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So <clears throat> anyway, I thought your key question was going to be how many bonds do I own? I already had the answer written down at zero. There you go. <laughs> I figured as much. Um, <laughs> old diversified Eric. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, and I do know, and, and I mean, you're in there buying physical metal all the time, just like all the rest of us, because, yeah. I mean, we're preparing for this mathematical certainty. So um, as we get into next year, um, it certainly seems like we're going to have a good year. Uh, yeah. You know, it's hard to imagine that rates are going to stay where they are, you know, and, the Fed will be cutting and we should be rallying. Um, in our remaining time, though, let's have a segment. Let's discuss for a little while the, the mining shares. Um, sure. Uh, obviously, you are a legendary Canadian mining investor. I'm less uh, legendary by the day, I should add. <laughs> right, right. They always say that when you get old. They say, oh, he's a legend. There you and go. Somebody called me a legend the other day. I was, I was, somebody was interviewing me and they said, joining us today is the legend Craig. And I'm like, whoa, time out. Wait a second. I'm, I'm only 57. I don't want to hear this legend stuff. Um, anyway, I digress. It must be all the cold medicine I'm on. Yeah. There you go. Um, let's talk about the mining shares. Cause obviously, you know, back when, um, you had more time, we used to talk about them on a weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, and I know people are dying to hear, um, so some of your thoughts as we come out of this year, the GDX sure. has ramped up nicely now that tax loss selling is behind us. Oh, yeah. Uh, I asked Bob Thompson last week, your friend and mine, um, mm -hmm. if the generalists are coming down and knocking on his door at Raymond James yet, you know, looking for some names to buy. And he said, not yet. So we're still probably early stages of this. Um, let's start from the top and work down. I know you don't buy a lot of major producers, but how do you feel about them as this gets started next year? Well, one of the things that's been disappointing about the major producers is um, they haven't really been able to maintain their production. You know, their production yeah. just, and I'm thinking of Barrick more than anybody else. And they were always the superstar 20 years ago when I first got into the uh, wanting to own a, a serious amounts of gold stocks. I've never did own Barrick. And every year their production seems to disappoint. Yeah. yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think they've gone from eight million ounces in the you know the beginning of this century to like four million ounces, and it, it's a bit of a statement about the the gold business. It's hard to find things and develop things, and the cost of developing is incredible. So you have to take time, and if you make a few mistakes along the way, they can be devastating. So I rarely ever looked at a producer yes i was in kirkland lake gold that was a producer because of the exploration success in australia that i was there um so i still i still look all the time at all the results that come out 
there was actually an interesting result came out of a company in Australia, just south of uh, the Swan Zone. They had, I think, five meters of 116 grams. And I'm trying to, it was a Great Pacific, I think it was called Great Pacific, but it was exactly south of the Swan Zone in Fosterville. Is so it, maybe they found an extension of it down there. Isn't that the old Fosterville South? Yeah, they, it used to be. Yeah, they renamed the company to that Great Pacific. Yeah. That was one yeah. that I remember we talked about it back in the day. Yeah. And then they uh, they went to Papua New Guinea, but they continued drilling in Australia. <laughs> it's going to be their last hole in Australia. <laughs> they, they, they went, or they had a good one anyway. Yeah. So. Okay. How about as we look, I mean, let's kind of just keep working our way down in market cap. Yeah. Um, juniors, you would think would benefit pretty quickly as price rallied next year. Well, I think they're going to. I mean, we've seen some very, very nice uh, increases in some stocks. I mean, I can think of, for example, Jaguar, which is a company, of course, I own 50% of, but I think it got down to 110 and it's been as high as 220 in about six weeks. So 100% increase. Um, they they had a good quarter. They earned, that's the funny part, they earned five cents US in the quarter, the third quarter, and the stock was a dollar ten. That's a PE ratio of five. And maybe they, that's US, by the way. I'm giving yeah. you a Canadian price for the US earnings. Um, and I think they should obviously do better this quarter with the, what has happened to the price of gold. So, you know, that could end up being a very inexpensive stock to buy here. Uh, lots of the exploration companies have done well and better. I mean, most of them are up 20, 30%, you know, off their ridiculously low bottoms here. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know that there's been much new buying coming in. I think there's very little. Thank God we've seen some action on the corporate front where there's been takeovers of a company called Osino. There's been an investment by Anglo and G2 Gold. Barrick put some money in, I think it was Heliostar. Uh, but you can see that the purse strings are kind of opening up a little yeah. for some of the people in the industry to go in. And that's really good at, that they do that. It takes the pressure off the existing shareholders to have to keep funding these things, of which I am one. And I feel these pressures, right? <laughs> right. You own a hundred of them and they all need money. And they're all like, where do you, where's this stuff coming from? I'll call Craig. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Craig's, Craig got about five grand laying around. He could buy a couple <laughs> Um, do you think in terms of just, you know, we always talk about the generalists, you know, the hedge funds looking at the sector as value and starting to come in. Do you think, you know, gold moving to new all-time highs, finishing the year at an all-time high, if we can, in a couple of weeks, do you think that would get some attention? Would get some? I'll tell you what will bring attention. Uh, not the analysts, not the hedge funds, but the computers. I always rely computers the computer says to the the portfolio hey you know the number one performing group is gdx he said yeah. well what the gdx what's the gold yeah, what index? is that what gold yeah yeah you guys recommended some actually big guys recommended recently maybe i should be looking at that yeah to get me some some of that gdx whatever yeah, it is whatever that is so i'm pretty certain that half the time the computers are just screaming this is the number one performing group which it would have done this last week by the way in the last five days i mean i think the gdx went up 10 percent two yeah. you know two days yeah well you know computers know that right right maybe maybe ai knows that and by the way i don't know if i said this on to you before but i saw a very interesting comment 
where somebody asked AI, well, you know, in a really lousy market, what should you invest in? And the AI said, well, you should invest in gold and gold shares. <laughs> and, I, and of course, you know, as you said, from from 2000 today, these stocks and on uh, commodities have gone up 10% a year, every yeah. year, every year. Yeah, that's impressive, man. And of course, when they really get going, I remember in uh, 00 to 08, I mean, I think the stocks went up 1400%, right. 1400%. And it would surprise me for that to happen again. No, it would not yeah. surprise me. Yeah, and happen. you remember the 70s, obviously, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Where stocks would go 50 and 100 times. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's out there. I mean, I know we're all, we, we've all been kind of playing this waiting game, but. At least we're starting this shift in monetary policy from record highs already. So yeah. maybe it can kind of. Um, and when we last spoke in April, uh, you talked a little bit about Newfoundland. You were getting ready to head up there, I think, for some conference yeah. or something, if I remember right. Well, I had to give a speech to, I think it was the geologic group in uh, in Gander. And I had a, a fun time doing that and uh, discussed why I thought Newfoundland would be a great place to discover large amounts of gold and newfound gold continually comes up with these huge uh, drill hole announcements. There hasn't been one for the last four, five or six days, but uh, they've done very well. It looks yeah. very, I mean, they have a hundred kilometers of structure here. They've explored about five kilometers and they, they hit all over the place on the five kilometers Stock hasn't done very well, uh, but like most explorers, they always need money. So you got to do these issues. Every time you do an issue, one, you do the issue at, you know, seven or eight percent below the stock price. And then, of course, it collapses anyway. And you pay the guy a big fat fee for raising you the money. Yep. So when um, Newfound did, did their last issue, they raised fifty six million dollars. And I know there's investors who lost that much money because of the price depreciation. Right, right. You just written him a check. Say, hey, you know, <laughs> don't even say anything. That idiot participated in the issue. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. Our day will come. Well, that's I right. Um, what's going on there? Another name um, that I know you still follow, uh, just for old time's sake. I remember three... Six years ago, we were doing these. You were talking about a company called Free Gold. Is that still on your radar? Yeah. You mentioned that yeah. earlier. Very much on our radar. They've they've announced they have a resource of about twenty million ounces. Jeez. Oh, well, what am I going to do with that? Right. Right. Nobody pays for that anymore, but I think they will. And of course, the twenty could could become thirty very quickly based on the uh, drilling results they've had. Uh, I don't think that the market savviest people in the world. And of course, I, I say to CEOs now in the mining companies, look, you got to understand the capital markets here. Don't give a shit about the rocks. Let's figure out how you're going to survive here and not have your share price keep going down. Right. Uh, right. Because it's a problem. Every time you fund, you destroy your market cap. Mm -hmm. And I think because you're, you need the money, you let in weak shareholders who are there who ultimately short your stock. Mm -hmm. It's just a way for them to do it. So mm -hmm. cover to short because they were tipped off ahead of time. An issue was coming and they got yeah. positioned. So that's all part of that predatory short selling that you're working so oh, hard yeah. to end up there. Yeah. 
But I think if if the GDX continues to rally here, and it has rallied by, uh, what do I think, 20%? I think yeah. it's rallied. Yeah, about right. By the way, when you rally 20%, I think they call that a bull market. In everything but the mining shares. <laughs> right. It's called a bull market. Anyway, so it, it's not going to take too much more. In fact, when I think of the 20% rally in GDX over the last probably five or six weeks, that's probably more than any other group out there. Right, right, right. Which some computer would probably tell everybody. Right. So if we can keep the mo going here, I think the, the, the world will come back to gold. Yep. We maybe Costco. How do you like Costco selling $100 million worth of gold in hours? How about that? And they run they out. They don't get enough. The Listen, you have to work hard to sell 100 million in a year and they sell it in hours. <laughs> right, right. And they run out. They got to go get more. They only have it yeah. every once in a while. <laughs> well, it sort of shows that there's an interest there, eh? that there's a latent interest and maybe a latent understanding. OK, this is a good thing. When I think of what we sell, which is when you're buying it, it's an asset that's going to carry you. It's going to pay you a dividend in my mind. Right. Pretty well, 99 percent. Your other purchases are all depreciating. Right, right. Yeah. As uh, James Turk always corrects me when I say something like, you know, call gold an asset class or something. He always stops me and says, no, it's money. Yeah. You've got to not think of it that way. It is money. It's an alternative to fiat. Yeah. And it's protecting you against the devaluation of the fiat. And um, there, it's only going to cost you more. I think we all can agree on that to more dollars and more Canadian dollars and everything else to, to swap it into gold and go along. Eric, I, I meant, forgot to mention earlier, you talk about these other countries and their currency. I printed off a chart about a month ago of gold priced in Japanese yen. Yeah. It's gone from like, whatever it is, 30,000 yen to 300,000. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So it's nope. doing what it's supposed to do. It's the alternate to the currencies for sure. And yeah, you know, we all, we should all, no, and I'm sure actually most of our listeners fully understand this, that the likelihood of the currency holding its value is like remote. Right. Even, even to accept 2% inflation tells you how remote it's going to be. Right. You 2% inflation, a little bit of runway here, it starts adding up after a while. And that's at 2, but inflation is really 10. Precisely, precisely. Well, my friend, it is always great fun to get caught up. Uh, it'll be I'll be curious to see where... Prices are the GDX is by the next time we speak. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think I should look forward to any sort of podcast or interview because I always in my mind imagine the price is going higher. It doesn't happen too often. Right. <laughs> but I'll look forward to it nonetheless. We'll do it regardless. We'll do it regardless. Well, thanks for all you do for the industry. Uh, there's a lot you do behind the scenes that people don't even know about. And it's to all of our benefit that invest in the shares and uh, hope one day to actually see them valued in a place that would make some sense rather than where they are. But I wish you a Merry Christmas, Eric, and hopefully some time with your family and a, a chance to kind of throttle back for a couple of weeks. Hey, Craig, all the best to you. And I mean it when I say this, get well. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I hope I, I muted out all of the different coughs and wheezes and everything else. Well, you might you did it up when you didn't get your face out of the picture. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a real professional operation I got here, Eric. Come on now. Um, anyway, and again, on your way out, everybody, all year long, Sprott Money provides 
all of this content. We'll be right back at it in January. And so think of them every time you're in the market for precious metal and be sure, at least if anything, uh, like, subscribe. So you're always notified when new content comes out and the way the YouTube and all those algorithms work, the more subscribers you have, the more apt you're to be up the list, you know, on the side of the page. So it does really help. So hit the like button and the subscribe button and uh, helps brought money out with that. Eric, have a great uh, holiday season. And uh, I hope, you know, I hope you're able to relax and have some fun and we'll get back at it in 2024. We're all hoping for great things in uh, 2024 and I'll look forward to catching up with you again. Absolutely. And from all of us here at Sprott Money News, SprottMoney.com. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays. And we'll see you again in 2024.